0: Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell Jr. J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. I feel the glory of God in this room. And where the glory of God is, God is. (laughs) Come on, where the glory of God is, God is. And if God is in the room, come on. Whatever is not like him has to exit the room. Ah. I said, whatever is not like God that's in this room has to exit the room. See, so when you realize when you're rising up today, you're rising from defeat. You're rising from death. You're rising from decay. Come on, you're rising from corruption. You're rising from Fear. You're rising from sickness, rising from defeat. You're rising from shame. Come on, you're rising church. We gotta kick that pity gospel out of our minds. Some of you are used to singing songs that tell you how defeated you are. How, how much higher you got to climb? How many more mountains you got to climb over? The Lord is saying, I'm already raising you up. I'm already picking you up. God says, I'm already giving you victory. I'm already giving you triumph. Come on. See, if I keep telling you how jacked up and messed up and how broken you are, that's all you're going to have. That's why this song is so powerful. What you were just declaring in the spirit. We talk a lot about who we were in Adam instead of talking about who we are now in Christ. Notice I said who you were in Adam, but now you got to know about who you are in Christ. The Bible says put off the old man and put on the new man created in Christ Jesus. The old man fell. The new man rose again. The old man fell from glory. The new man rose again in glory. See, Adam was in sin. Christ rose up in glory. All have sinned, past tense, and have fallen short of the glory. All have sinned. Why? Because one man sinned. And all sinned with him. See, you think that your issue of the issue of sin—like how many? Nobody in this room chose to be a sinner. None of us chose to be a sinner. It was an inheritance from the old man. When the Bible talks about the old man, he's speaking about Adam. He was the oldest man that ever lived. He was the first man. So the old man is our—is our, your identity in Adam. But your new man is the, your new identity in Christ. What most Christians have no clue about, although it's all over their Bible in the New Testament, is that the Bible says that what one man did in Adam, the new man did to, to, to overwrite or to undo what he did. What Adam failed to do, Jesus came to undo he put us back into right standing with God. You see, you didn't choose to be a sinner because sin came upon you through the nature of what you inherited. You were born into sin, the Bible says, shaped in iniquity. You didn't choose to do that. This is why you, one of the most important elementary teachings you need to realize is that you, your, your behavior does not make you right with God. Because it wasn't, you didn't do anything to become wrong with God. So your behavior can't undo what Adam did. But God sent his son into the earth to live. The Bible says the son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. When Jesus came to to die for us, he not only died to save you. He died to redeem you. That word re is important because it implies that there was something that we already had that we fell from. Something that we already had that we lost. He's restoring us. What is he restoring us to? So that means what you were born into was not your original identity. What you were born into, you were born into sin, but that's not what you were created to be born into. Come on. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Pre- Preachers preach and stop right there. Exactly. But now if you once you once you receive Jesus and what he accomplished at the cross, the Bible then says you now are born again. If any man be in Christ, he is now a what? New creation. Old things are what? Passed, Passed away. Behold, all things have become new come on church say I got newness on the inside of me I I am I am new all right so this is the this is where Christianity begins you now have to decide to put off that your old identity in Adam which also means you need to know what was in Adam compared to what's now in Christ let me let me give you a thought that's going to blow your mind As far as God is concerned, only two people have ever lived. He only sees Adam or he sees Christ. And you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. So that's why God doesn't have to deal with every single one of you individually. All he had to do was deal with the head. If I deal with, when I dealt, when he dealt with Christ, what he did in one, he did with all. Just like when one man sinned, all sinned. One man never sinned. So that now God can see the one man who never sinned and everyone that's in him, he now sees. Come on. He now sees what he did and anybody that's in him, God sees that in you too. So Adam sinned, you all sinned. Jesus never sinned. If you're in him, it's like you never sinned. You're blameless, you're holy, you're righteous. The blood of Jesus has washed you from all your sins, all your guiltiness. That's the good news. The gospel message is the good news that you are right with God and you didn't have to do anything to to, to get there. (laughs) You just believe it and receive it. Religious people don't like that. Because what, religious, what religion along the way has taught us is that we have to earn salvation. We have to perform for acceptance. We have, to, we have to work really, really hard to qualify for God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy. The good news is that one man never sinned for you. So that from now until forever, God will see you in him. The Bible says he's the first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead. You see that? So what? when, when he rose again from the dead, he was the firstborn. You realize that? That we were dead in sin, but now when he died, he be, we became alive when he rose again. You see? So... His resurrection is your resurrection. Just like his death was your death. If I be lifted up, I will what? Draw all men unto me. So I I want you to get this in your spirit, church. I want you to get this in your spirit. You have been made alive in God. And what you're now rising up into today is a revelation of who you now are because of Jesus. See, like you don't become more righteous. Because your righteousness is as filthy rags. God doesn't look for your righteousness to bless you. He looks at the righteousness of the Son of God. And as long as you have faith in his righteousness, God blesses you according to his righteousness, not yours. So you know what? Most Christians have faith for cars. They have faith for houses. They have faith for a husband. They have faith for a spouse. They have faith for money. But the one thing the Bible actually wants you to have faith in is your righteousness. That's the number one area you need to have faith in. Because if you have faith in the, in the righteousness of God, if you have faith that Jesus has made you righteous enough for him, if you can believe that, then you already qualify for everything else you want. Every blessing is tied to righteousness. So if you think your righteousness is based on your performance, then you only feel qualified or good enough to get what you think you worked for. And then when you sin then you mess up you feel like you're not worthy so you disqualify yourself that's schizophrenic christianity because it's your you think your what you deserve is based on you it's not based on you god wanted to alleviate all that from you all that that see, most christians i really believe you look at some christians today it's like they got a mental disorder i don't know what what it, what is psychologically coined i don't know what we are going to call it because it's like, I'm saved today, and then I don't know if I'm saved tomorrow. What do you call that? Schizophrenic. <laughs> <Schizophrenia. laughs> what you said? We need a name for that. <laughs> Double-mindedness. That's a good word. Yeah, double-minded Christianity. Come on. At what point are we going to believe how saved we are? At what point? point? There was a study that was done. They said that evangelical Christians in America had the lowest level of self-worth compared to every other religion in the country. They felt lower than, than Buddhists. They felt lower about themselves than Muslims. They felt lowered about themselves. How can that be? Because you're taught that. You were taught to believe that you're unworthy, that you're corrupt, <laughs> old oh, wretched sinner. See, that's why I tell you, don't ever say you're just a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner anymore. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint saved by grace. Why? Because it's not based on what you did. It's based on what Jesus did. If you are a believer in Christ and he is your savior, then that means what you believe is that he saved you from the, 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 the torture and the terror of living constantly up this hamster wheel, trying to climb this escalated the wrong way of trying to rise to a place that you can't get to in your own strength it's only gonna happen when you stand on the escalator of grace and allow God to propel you up into what he actually purchased for you at the cross see most of you believe that you'd be shouting right now but if somebody else was to get up and beat you up and tell you about how, how dumb you are and how low you are. I can't, I don't like when I hear preachers preach to the, to the church and preach to saints. And they call you all types of names while they're preaching. And you sit there because you think that that's what's supposed to happen. You get verbally abused in church. And you sit there and take it. Since we're here, because I was, I was going to talk about maturity, we're still talking about maturity, we're talking about ministry, and we're talking about how we're going to grow up. Um, last week, we talked about responsibility. How many of you were here for that? Over here, so I learned about responsibility. You got two, eight, two, one. yes, and two hands raised. <laughs> um, but it's important that you get this. Um the Lord wanted me to talk to you. He gave me a very clear word to share with the house today. Um, next week we have a guest preacher. He's going to be coming. I'll say who he is later. But um, the Lord gave me a specific word. Now you know I like to teach. Uh, but I'm going to still teach, but He specifically gave me a word um, that I believe falls in alignment to everything that has been said and everything that's been that's been declared so far. But. The word to H4G that God gave me today is to tell the church to renew their pursuit of holiness. To renew your pursuit of holiness. And um, Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Hebrews uh, 12 verse 14 and so the Lord, when the Lord said to me to tell the church to pursue holiness, um, I just asked him, like, what does that entail for us in regards to what he wants to accomplish? And I want you to um, get ready to take just take these notes down, and I want you to write this down. Because first and foremost, in order to um, pursue holiness, that we got to understand what holiness is and what it isn't. Because it just goes back on what I was just talking about. Most people, when they hear about holiness, what images come to their mind? Well, what came to your mind when I said holy, holiness? Long skirts. Long skirts. Long skirts. Doilies. White. Doilies on your head. White. Wearing all white. Perfection. Restrictions. No watching TV. No going to the movies. No makeup. No earrings, no parties. (laughs) Definitely no parties, right? Somebody said no phone. No fun? fun? fun. Uh, Okay. Holiness is not fun. A mean face, face, not to smile. Don't smile. You're not being holy. (laughs) (laughs) Holiness. Most people, how can I say this? What is holiness? Turn with me to um, 2nd Timothy 3, verse 5. I'll just start here. 2nd Corinthians 3, 5. So we just learned uh, in the Bible, the Bible says to pursue holiness because without holiness no one can see the Lord. Holy, holiness is a is a very important factor, a very important aspect to knowing your identity in Christ. Now, um, the Bible talks about in the in the book of Revelation. One of the things that we see um, in heaven is that, bes- be, that right next to the throne of God. There are angels who are stand who are standing before his throne, bound before his throne, crying, "Holy, holy, holy, holy!" That those who are the closest to God get to see his holiness. That the that the angels, the, the twenty, the elders that are sitting before the throne of God right now in heaven, there are beings that are surrounding his throne, just saying, "Holy." and every time they get another revelation of God they say holy then that the one thing that comes out of their mouth every time they see him is that he is holy okay holy holiness um, one of the things that we also find out in scriptures that the bible says uh, to be holy for i am holy that one of the things that god revealed to his priests was that that we must be holy because he is holy so Holiness is a priority in God. It's a priority in heaven. God's nature is that he is holy. And if we will create it in his image and in his likeness, then guess what we need to also be? Holy. Okay. You will create in the image and likeness of God. We learned this two weeks ago. Genesis 1 verse 26. God said, I mean, twenty yeah, 26. God said, let us make man in our image image and in our likeness. Now our conversation of holiness is going to begin right there in regards to understanding that we were created to look like God and to live like God. And I said last week that one of the I mean the greatest responsibility that each and every one of us have today is to be like God. That is your greatest responsibility. You see when God created man He didn't create man for any reason but to be holy for him. See, the word holy, by definition, means to be set apart. The word holy means to be dedicated. It means to be reserved for. That's all it means. So when you go to a restaurant and you see that there is a room booked for reservations only, that's a holy room, meaning that it's set apart for a specific purpose, that's what it means, holiness to take away all of the religious muck around the word, it just simply means to be set apart for a specific use or a specific purpose, all right, so many of you have things in your life that you consider to be holy You have things that you don't show everyone. You might have, um, I knew growing up in my house, my parents had utensils that not everybody gets to use. Right? The, The good china, the good forks, the good plates. You didn't use that. Everybody didn't get to touch that. That was only for special times only. For major holidays or when special people came over to the house. Right? Those items were holy unto my parents. That's holiness. It's something that's reserved, set apart for a specific purpose. Okay, so now watch this. So when God created mankind first, in in the beginning, God created man to be holy for his purpose or to be holy for him. For his purpose, for his pleasure. The Bible says in Revelation that for his pleasure we were created for his enjoyment, for his love. That God created you out of love, out of a desire to have fellowship, communion, connection, and relationship with you. That God was going to, God created us to be able to reveal aspects about himself that he had never revealed in anyone else that he created before that. Because if that was the case, he would have no need to create us. God was going to relate to us, humanity, mankind, and share something with us he had never shared with any of the angels. So watch this. In the Old Testament, we we learned a lot about God's holiness. When we read the book, when we read Exodus, and we read all all of the laws in Leviticus and Numbers, and we see um, that God constantly began to reveal his holiness Uh, to to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament we see we see God's holiness we see his his, we see his, his, uh, his nature and that he is holy and he expressed that clearly God was so holy in fact that not everyone got to meet him everybody didn't get to encounter him everybody didn't get to worship him and experience him he didn't allow his spirit to come upon everybody and when God appeared to people um, for example, when Moses encountered him in the, in the, in the, uh, with the burning bush, the first thing God told Moses to do was what? Take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. The first thing he showed Moses was that he is holy. And he established himself, uh, he established himself, his expectations and his character based on the premises that he was holy. We see that in the Old Testament. And everything that Israel had to do to interact with him had to be done with, a, with the mindset that God is holy. When God showed up in the mount, I think it was Mount Horeb, the Bible says that was, uh, there was lights and there was fire and there was earthquakes and there were voices coming from the, from the, um, from the mountains. And then Moses was telling the people, Moses, God told Moses to tell the people, don't have them come near the mountain because if they touch the mountain, they're going to die. All right, let's talk about holiness. When God had that moment with Moses, he said, I don't want anybody to come close. This is a special moment with me and you, Moses. Any of the people that come near this, they're going to die if they touch it. So they couldn't touch it. Not, only, not even the animals could have gotten in there. So we see this, this dreadful, fearful God in the Old Testament. Then we fast forward to the New Testament, and then we see the revelation of the Son of God, Jesus, comes to the earth. And then he reveals another aspect of God that we saw traces and glimpses of in the Old Testament, but we get the full picture of in Jesus. And what we find about what, 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 the, uh, what the apostles boiled it all down to was that God is love. God is love. Because when Jesus interacted with people, Jesus displayed grace and mercy and patience and kindness with people who were sinners. People who were sinful, people who didn't know their identity, people in shame, people who were defeated, people who were suffering with addictions, people who were broken. Jesus comes alongside of them And he doesn't treat them harshly as their sins deserved. But in fact, he showed them mercy and he showed them grace. Something that they never saw under the law. So in the Old Testament, we see that God is holy. In the New Testament, we see God is love. And how do we reconcile those two? How do we reconcile those two differences? One of the things you are going to learn is that the Bible shows us that Moses, the Bible says, only saw God's back. He never saw his face. But then Jesus comes and says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Because Jesus was the perfect representation of God. So it lets us know. That although God is holy, God is love. But his holiness is just his back. But his face is his love. Now let me ask you something. If you have an ID card, a driver's license, what do you have on it? Do you have your back on it or do you have your face on it? Why? is your face on it and not your back, your foot, your hand. Because you can't recognize a person from their back. You're never going to take an ID and it shows you your head. Right? Because identity is clearly seen in the face. So whatever we know about God from Moses, we only saw his back. But what we see in Jesus is we see his face. We see a complete picture, the exact representation of who the father really is. Come on. That's why the revelation in Jesus is more important than the revelation in Moses. So what I don't understand about God in the old. Actually, you understand God in the old when you see him in the new. Because then you realize that God is holy in love. And he's loving in holiness. God is holy in love. His love is holy. Holy. I said his love is holy. So mind you, now Jesus, the most holiest person on the planet, comes to the earth. But yet, he was so holy, but the sinners loved being around him. That looks a lot different than the holiness we see today. Because there are people today who feel they're holy, Nobody wants to be around them. Oh man, we got to rectify this. Because the Jesus, we know how holy Jesus is. He never sinned. He was the blameless. He was sinless. But yet, sinners liked being around Jesus. They didn't feel judged. They didn't feel condemned. They didn't feel less than. He didn't put them down because of their moral character. He didn't beat them up because they didn't have all the Christian gimmicks down pack or the Christian lines. Jesus simply loved people. And as a result of being around people, people wanted to gravitate to him. So the Bible says we need to walk in something called the beauty of holiness. Holiness is really beautiful. When it's, when it is, when it is on display correctly. (laughs) Is this making sense? We pursue, pursue holiness for without it, no man can see the Lord. So I say God created man to be holy for him. God created you to be holy for him. Adam wasn't created for Eve. Adam wasn't created for Eve. Eve. He wasn't created for the planet. He was created for God. And every other relationship formed out of his relationship with God. So if you put your spouse above your relationship with God, then you break rank and you step out of your responsibility to be holy for God. See, my your your first obligation is to God, and that's what that means. Before Adam had a planet to rule, before he had a wife to please, he had a God to please. Come on, we gotta pursue this interaction, this connection with this this fellowship with God. The Bible also shows us in the book of Genesis, and I'll just share this with you. God never called man holy. God never called man. In the creation story, he never called man holy. The only thing God called holy in the beginning was the seventh day. The day of rest. The Sabbath. But he never called man holy. What did he call man? Very good. What did he call every day before that? Good. But he gets to the seventh day, and then he says it's holy. I asked God, what is, why did you, so were, 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 were all other days not holy? Is only the seventh day holy? Because now religion has restricted holiness to a day. So I'd be holy on, on, on the Sabbath day. But what about all the other days? I don't have to be holy. I could just be good. (laughs) You see, religion has limited our understanding to holiness even to a day. See, God didn't have to call Adam something that he was. If Adam was created in the image and likeness of God, then God was, I mean, Adam was already yeah. holy. Yeah. Come on. The first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day were already holy. Because God created it. It looked like him. But on the seventh day, he rested. He rested. He wasn't doing any work. So God says, I got I to gotta, I gotta consecrate this day too. Because although I'm not doing anything, although I'm resting today, the seventh day, I still need to sanctify it. I still need to set it apart. Because he knew that some of us would think that on a day I'm not doing anything, that that's not holy. Come on, Pastor. That if I'm not working, Come on, then it's not holy. Most people feel they're spiritual only when they're doing something for God. But what about when you're doing the things that are not quote-unquote spiritual? Is it still holy? What about when you're on vacation and you're relaxing and you're resting and spending time with your kids and your family? Is that still holy unto the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. What about when you're making life making making love with your spouse? Is that still holy? <laughs> the man said it's yes, very holy. <laughs> <laughs> See? God blessed every day. All day every day is holy. Everything God does is holy. Everything that, that, is, that has been created and reserved and set apart for God is holy, including you, including me. Now, this is what the Lord said. I, I showed you this verse for a reason. Because acting holy and being holy are two different things. Holiness is not a way of dress. It's not a dress code. It's not a denomination. It's not a type of church. Holiness is not morality. Holiness is not even morality. Because you can live a good life and still not be holy. I said you can be a good... Catholics don't want to hear that. (laughs) And most of the world doesn't want to hear that because most people think that if i can live good enough then i don't really need a savior right i don't need salvation because i'm living a good life i'm helping people i'm doing good works i'm i'm giving i'm doing charity work certainly that should be enough to get me into heaven right why can't a sinner do good works to get into the kingdom Why can't a person live good without Jesus and get into heaven? We all should should be able to have an answer for that. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier with Adam and Christ. Why can't a person become holy just by doing good? By good behavior. The Bible says we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Through faith. You know why? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Once you sin once, you are guilty. That's it. It's like. It's like a broken vessel. It's like you can try to repair it, but it's still always going to have the scars or the marks of the fall. No matter how good you try to live, you're still falling. You're still broken. You're still in sin because that's not what I created you to look like. That's not what I created you to be like. So that's why all of us outside of Christ, are guilty and hell-bound. Not one person can stand before God and present their good works and say, God, I, I lived good enough to make it into the kingdom. No. Because it goes beyond behavior. Holiness is not about avoiding sin. Because just because you avoid sin doesn't mean you run to God. You can avoid God and avoid sin at the same time. That's what people who are hiding in good behavior is doing. They don't really want to know God. so they reduce holiness to good works, good behavior. But what did God say? Be holy for what? I am holy. So guess what? I can't be holy without the one who is holy. If I don't have relationship with him, holiness is not achievable. I become holy by being with the one who is holy. Holiness is not an option, we learned. We cannot see the Lord without it. And holiness is not something that we can achieve or earn in our own strength. Holiness is simply a condition we obtain by having constant contact with a holy God. It is my closeness to God that enables me to be something that he already created me to be. The reason why the law could have never made anybody holy was because your obligation was simply to a code of conduct, to laws and rules, compliance to a stone. If I'm focused on the stone that had the laws written on it, Then that means I'm at the same time, not in in communication and connection and relationship with the God of creation. See, I can look at the law, I can look at the rules and focus on trying to keep it all day and I still don't know God. Holiness is a byproduct of being with God. If you don't want to be with God, then you don't want to be holy. Now watch this, what's the point, what is the point of Christianity without holiness? If my desire is not to be like God, if my desire is not to be conformed to his image, if my desire is not to be conformed to his character, if my desire is not to be conformed to his likeness, what is the point of Christianity? that's acting holy compared to actually being holy because what holiness does hallelujah what holiness is is now you positioning yourself for conformity to the image of God everybody say conformity You conforming to the image, to the image of God is the beginning of holiness. You see, the Pharisees and the religious community, they portrayed themselves to be holy to people. But it wasn't until Jesus, the image of God, came into the earth that the people saw what true holiness looked like. We didn't see the full scope of God's holiness in Moses. We saw it in Jesus. Now I'm going to say this again because I feel like this jumped over some of your heads. If you don't believe you can be like God, then any other attempt at holiness is actually hypocrisy. If you don't believe, see, this is the lie that's lingering in most Christians' heads. I can't really be like God. Most of you don't believe you can be like God. You don't believe you really, Jesus is too holy for you to be like. That's the lie lingering in Christianity that keeps us from rising up. It prevents you from rising up. We don't, people don't believe it. People have made, people have actually ridiculed me for attempting to be like God. Oh, yeah. yep. That's what the religious spirit will do, by the way. Yep, all right? They did it to Jesus. I'm going to get to that. It's, it's what, all right. Well, I turned this so you know what I read, what I was, why I appointed you this. Second Timothy three, five, having a form of godliness, but what? Nice. That's religiosity. Having a form of godliness without the power to actually be like God. What's the point of trying to enforce a dress code, a rule, a standard of living that denies the ability for men to actually step into godlikeness? It's hypocrisy. What's the point of wearing all white and trying to live a clean life if you don't believe you can actually step into godlikeness? Holiness is godlikeness, holiness is conforming to who you are in God. That's holiness. That's why he said, Do you deny? You have a form of godliness. You're pretending to be godly, but you don't have the power because you deny the power. What is the power for? The power is given so that you can be transformed into the level and the standard of actual godlike behavior and qualities and tendencies and characteristics. And you know, when the Pharisees heard Jesus talking like that, they said, you're talking blasphemy because you can't be like God. Look at John 10. I'm almost done. John chapter 10, verse 31. Hurry up. Because some of you, some of you are picking up your stone. Like, I don't know what pastor is preaching. I'm picking, picking up their stones. Then the Jews took up stones (laughs) again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you want to stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. The Pharisees were the religious leaders in control of the mindsets and the belief systems of the people in their day. And the religious leaders portrayed themselves to exemplify what holiness was. But all the people got from them were rules, codes of conduct, laws. Jesus, who is the image of God, comes to the earth and shows them what true holiness looks like. Because Jesus was actually doing the works of the father. Works that they didn't have the power to do. So they had a form of godliness and a presentation of of, of holiness that was not equivalent to the actual holiness of God. So when they saw true holiness, they wanted to stone it. They wanted to reject it. They wanted to destroy it. They wanted to kill it. I wish I had more time. When people see you truly stepping in to your godlikeness, they will want to stone you. They're going to want to shut you up. They're going to try to call you names. They're going to try to belittle you. They're going to try to downsize you to their image of God, which is usually a powerless image. So when you say things like, You know what? Because I'm a son of God, I can declare things and it becomes established. You have a religious spirit tell you who you think you are. To be able to think that you can decree a thing. That you can declare something and it's going to happen for you. Who do you think you are? You will respond, I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a child of God. I look like my father. And if he decrees things and it is established, I can do the same thing. Jesus said, if you believe me, the works that I do, you will do also, and greater works than these. So when someone is sick around you and you lay hands on them and say, in Jesus' name, you're going to be healed. A religious spirit will come alongside and say, who do you think you are? That you can lay hands on someone and think that they're going to get better. You really think you got power in your hands? What it wants to do. (laughs) They They want you... To fall to their level instead of rising up to your God level. Why? Because that's where man fell from. That's where man fell from. You were created in God's class. You fell in sin and you lost sight of the glory but the glory has been restored to you in Christ the same glory that was given to me I have given to them so that they can become one even as you and I father are one holiness is pursuing oneness with God it's pursuing likeness with with God it's pursuing your resemblance in God it's looking at him in the mirror and saying God you really look like how I'm supposed to look Woo! Oh, I feel that thing breaking. Holiness is looking in the mirror of God. Look at what Jesus said. You see, you see it, right? Jesus answered them Is it not written in your law? I said that you are God's. Little g. And he quoted Psalm 82. Is it not written in your own book, in your own law, that you are gods? Right. Come on. So verse 35, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Come on. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world that you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? I told you the real reason why they crucified Jesus was because he called himself the son of God. Religion will be satisfied with you calling yourself a sinner saved by grace, a servant of God, (laughs) even a friend of God. But when you call yourself a son of God, then you're now pursuing holiness, equivalence, resemblance, likeness. You were created to be like God. Don't let anybody else tell you any other thing. Any other, any other teaching is a lie. You're not supposed to try to get God to look like you. You're supposed to look at God and say, that's who I really am. Come on, church. God created you to have dominion on the earth. Why? Notice. (laughs) Notice that when Adam fell, when Eve fell, everything else God told them to do, they did it. Except for having dominion. They were still fruitful. They still multiplied. They still had kids. Everything else God originally created humanity to do, we were still able to do. Except for the one thing, which was to have dominion. So when the son of God came and he walked in dominion, he was restoring to us the one thing we couldn't get access to the power thereof. See holiness void of the supernatural is not holiness. If you can't do the works of the father, you're not being holy. If you can't, tell a demon to get out of a person's mind get out of a person's body if you can't tell a demon to leave a premise if you can't tell a demon and look a person in the eye who is demonically possessed and tell them to go you're not holy enough if you can't lay hands on the sick and they can't recover you still got some growing up in holiness to do holiness is not a dress code church it's you walking in dominion and authority and power come on this is true holiness you looking like God on the earth and the demonic realm is terrified that you're gonna get a hold of this image the demonic realm this is where strongholds and spiritual warfare all begin to be built up because the stronghold of tradition and religiosity will say you can't be like God. You are not holy enough to be like Jesus. You can't lay hands on the sick. Your hands are too unclean. Your hands are too dirty. Your mouth is too filthy. The demonic realm will partner with the spirit of religion to keep you spiritually <laughs> retarded. You can't mature. You can't grow because you don't believe you're reach... Oh, here's this, we set standards of ourselves and say, well, this is how high I'm going to grow. But the only standard you have in God is Jesus himself. Jesus was not, the, was not the exception. He was the example. Jesus himself said it. If you believe in me, the works I do, you will do also. And greater works than these shall you do. I'm going to just finish reading what we got here. Verse 37. If I do not do the works of my father, don't believe me. But if I do, though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him but he escaped out of their hand. Here's my final point. I want you to write this down if you can. Holiness is the byproduct of something, not an action in and of itself. You see, power is the byproduct of holiness. Powerless Christians who obey rules are just disciplined and not holy. See, you can, you can perfect a habit and that still doesn't mean you've been changed. Still doesn't mean you've been conformed to the image of God. You experience transformation when you begin to let go of every image Of yourself that doesn't look like God, and you begin to replace that (laughs) with the true image in Christ. I need to help you see this because no other pursuit is worth pursuing. As long as you have an excuse as to why you can't be like God, you will remain veiled, you can't be transformed. That's why Paul said, beholding him as in a glass or in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we shall be changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Every excuse you have of yourself as to why you can't be like God, why you can't be holy is a veil. It's a veil. It's a veil. A veil blocks you and obstructs you from being able to see. So as long as you, when you start pursuing holiness, you're saying, I'm pursuing oneness. I'm pursuing likeness. The Lord said to tell the church today that I want you to restore and to renew your pursuit of holiness. That God is is inviting Hungry for God, individually and corporately, he's inviting you to step out of religiosity. To step out of traditionalism. To step out of legalism, law keeping, rule keeping, and get back to what you were originally created to do and what you were originally created to be, and that is holy. What is holiness? It's godlikeness. <laughs> ah, God wants to restore your power today, He wants to restore your a, a dominion today. Some of you can't even get over depression. What's depression? Why can't you get over depression? Because you don't believe who you are. Why can't you get free from from pornography? Because you don't believe who you are. That's all it comes down to. Every temptation is not about you. It's not about you. Uh, it's not about a behavior. It's about a belief. Because it's when you do the act, what do you believe about yourself after? Ooh, I got to stop. What do you believe about yourself? That's how you know something is sin. After you do it, how do you feel about yourself? More like God or less like God? Ooh. Ah! <laughs> do I feel more holy? Do I feel like I can get closer to God? That's how you know. Come on, let's stand to our feet. All temptations. When the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, it wasn't because he just tried to get him to to sin. You know, if you are the son of God, Turn these stones into bread. Jesus, The devil wasn't just tempting Jesus to break his fast. He was attacking his identity. If you are the son of God, do this. Which meant that if Jesus would have done it, it would have been him trying to prove that he was the son of God. It would have been that it would it would have been him believing the lie that he was not the son of God. Why? Because when you really are something, you don't have to prove it. You don't have to prove your salvation if you're saved. When the when the religious leaders told Jesus perform miracles, he did none. Whenever they said, if you're the son of God, do this. Jesus didn't do it. Why? Because you want me to do something to prove that I am something. And I'm not going to perform for you. That's why most church people who deny the power thereof but have a form of godliness don't get healed. Don't see breakthrough. God God is not trying to get you to... God does not want you to perform. To prove that you are what he says you are. He wants you to rest. And acceptance. He wants you to rest. In the knowing. That what he says you are. What he says you can do. You can do. What he says you can have. Ooh. Set us free Lord. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.